Okay, there we go. Now, I have never preached through the Gospels before, believe it or not. I've been preaching um, for 40, 40, 40, 40, goodness, 46 years, 45 years I've been preaching. Um, after finding my 45-year-ago message not too long ago. So I've been preaching for 45 years. I've been pastoring for a good number of years now. I've taught Bible classes. I have taught through the Gospels. I've taught uh, what each Gospel is all about. I've taught specific lessons from the Gospels. But I've never preached through a Gospel. And um, so this is going to be different for me. And as we go into the book of Mark, a brand new book for us, um, I didn't know how I was going to preach through Mark. And I, you know, my normal standard, my normal style is that I would, um, that I would, uh, go through one verse at a time. And as I, as I look through the gospels, the gospels have very much of a narrative flair to them. Uh, they tell a story as they go. And I, I looked at that and I thought that, you know, that's kind of a difficult concept for me to preach on. So I was looking around and praying and I got more and more impressed to pray about how I was going to preach for the book of Mark. <clears throat> and I came through a, 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 um, a Sunday school curriculum for, uh, what would be first, second, and third years that Jay and Holly had used many years ago, um, when they were taking care of the youth ministry. And what this, what this book does is what the curriculum does, it focuses on um, the fact that <coughs> Jesus is portrayed in the Gospels in different ways. You have Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. There are four accounts of one life. And as you read through those books, you notice that there's a difference in the way that they um, tell the story. John is called, John is unusual because John is more of a theological study of the gospel, of the life of Christ. But Matthew, Mark, and Luke are what we call the synoptic gospels. Um, These are the synoptic gospels are all basically telling the same story. And um, as these got, as we go through the Gospels here, uh, they're, they're going to tell the same story. Now, as you read through the Gospels, you're not going to find the exact same events in the exact same orders. The reason is, we as Westerners, we think absolutely chronologically, don't we? We think this happens, and 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 this happens. Well, these guys didn't think. These guys were all Jews. And they did not think the same way we think. They listed by priority. So when you see things happening throughout the Gospel, if you tried to put them down, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, side by side, you're not going to find all the events happening exactly at the same time. So I decided I would look at that. This book suggested uh, 13 lessons on teaching about the main notion, the main idea of the Gospel of Mark. Uh, each each Gospel has its own has its own tone. Um, did, I, did I put these down? Yeah. So here's what we're going to no, first, first of all, you ready, Hud? Here's 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 how we're going to look at these how's, over the next few weeks. How we're going to look at that? You can tell I've never preached in this style before, and I'm trying not to jump into pure teacher mode. So, over the Gospel of Mark, we're going to look over the next few weeks. Part one is about the miracles that Jesus does, and today is the introduction that Jesus is the servant. And over the next few weeks, we're going to see one a week Jesus' power to heal, his power over demons, his power over the storms or nature, and his power over needs. And how he serves in each of those areas. Okay, Hud, flip it over. Part two.
part two, we're going to talk about the passion. When I talk about the passion, do you know what the passion is? The passion of Christ? What does that refer to? Anybody? Calvary. Calvary. The whole, everything, around, everything around Calvary. The death, burial, and resurrection. So he's going to show in those last days, it's going to talk about Jesus' authority. Then we're going to have a message on the last days. And then we're going to have a message on the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. And then finally, as we come to the end, we're going to talk about the teachings of Jesus. As he teaches about the end times. And my goodness, guys, are what, what there is so much on social media and Christian conversation about the end times because people really believe that this coronavirus situation is absolute proof about the end times. There's a lot of error taught about the end times, probably more error about the end times than any other topic in the scriptures. I saw this morning somebody posted on Facebook. There's um, There used to be a guy named Jack Chick, and he had he had these very illustrative tra- uh, tracks, and they put a picture of his track on the Mark of the Beast. And this person who posted it was trying to proclaim that wearing a mask was getting you ready to take the mark. Because after all, mask and mark only have one letter different. Okay? So this is getting us ready for the mark of the beast because we're being told we have to wear a mask. I have seen this go on for 40 some years. There's been some good Bible teaching and there's been some rubbish. So he's going to talk about the end times. And then we're also going to talk about some of Jesus' parables. And then we're going to talk about the love of Christ. And then we're going to talk about the widow's might and Mary's oil. And finally, we're going to deal with an issue that comes through here all the time. The last section is talking about Jesus dealing with the false teachers of his day. Uh, the publicans, the, the, uh, yeah, and the, um, what are they called? The, um, the, what, the Jewish teachers. Pharisees. Yeah, the Pharisees. And, and those guys will be talking about them and false teachings and how we need to watch out for these things today. So I think this is going to be an interesting way to look at Mark. God willing, this will take us into uh, October sometime if we don't get raptured out between here and then. I don't know. I have no idea <clears throat> where we're going to be when this finishes. Um, probably around Thanksgiving before we get done. I have no idea where we're going to be. Um, not a clue. And neither do you as far as we're going to be meeting as church. I have no idea whether we're going to even be leaving our houses by that time. But God willing, we're going to try to stick through this and get through the Gospel of Mark. Now, each of the Gospels has uh, a theme for Christ. Now, this isn't perfect. But basically, in the book of Matthew, the emphasis on Jesus is about him being the Messiah. The Christ who came to as who came according to the Old Testament prophecies. He's the Messiah they are looking for. In Mark, Jesus is seen as a servant. In Luke, he's seen as the Savior. And in John, as I said, as a the, more of a theological gospel, he is seen as the great I Am. And we're looking at the notion here about servanthood. We're going to look at lessons of how Jesus served and how he's an example of service for others. Let's see if we can come up with a list. What are some ways that you guys, young or old, can help me out here? I'm going to get off the screen. Um, can you help me out here? What are some things from the Bible lessons you've gotten in Kids Club? What are some things that we know? How did Jesus serve? Can anybody give me an idea? Adults, children, anybody? 
Hud. The feeding, the feeding of the five thousand. How was that serving? Um, he served them with the food of the bread. Miraculous. We saw that in the scripture reading this morning. William, do you have one? <laughs> you cheeky monkey. <laughs> yes, the feeding of the 4,000. <laughs> that also happened. I don't know where he gets that kind of humor from. Um, anybody else have some ways that Jesus served? AJ, you got something? Anybody else have something some ways he served? Miracles. He did miracles. Healing. He healed the blind. He healed the lame. He he um. He, he he took care of the guys in the in the in the boat. He served by calming down the storm. Um, another one, Hud. Raised people from the dead. He raised people from the dead. That's kind of service, isn't it? So the whole book is about service. Now, obviously, there are ways that you and I are not going to be able to serve. You and I are never going to raise the dead. You and I are never going to take a few fish and a couple of loaves of bread and feed 5,000 or 4,000. Maybe a tiny crumb. You and I are never going to calm the storms. But what we're trying to get here is the principle of service that Jesus portrayed. Um, he was a servant, and the thing was, he was a servant marked by meekness. And there's a lot involved here. Uh, give me give you some, back, some more background for the book. The author is John Mark. John Mark was somehow related to Barnabas, probably a cousin or a nephew of his. Uh, he was, there was a point of contention between about John Mark. Anybody remember the controversy revol- involving John Mark? What happened with John Mark? He was a, a huge controversial figure early in the book of Acts. Remember his uncle thought he was good for the ministry? Something gone wrong and Paul said, no, he's not that good. He's let me down before. And they fight. As we said last week, by that, by the time Paul was ready to die, he wanted John Mark to come. So this is the author of the book of Mark. Laid to Barnabas. He's an active player in the early church. The readers were almost exclusively Greek Christians living in Rome. So it's geared towards the Greek readers. It happened in Rome about the year, in the mid-50s. The theme of the book is, um, Power with meekness. And he also does something else. He's also going to show here. And again, I, I, I have to be very careful when I'm introducing a book because I'm a history teacher. And I've got to be careful I don't get too much off track. So I'm trying to stay focused on the task ahead of us. So two things. He also, he also looks at two vital truths. And we're going to be looking something at the doctrine of the duality of Christ. Anybody guess what duality of Christ means? He has two natures. Jesus is 100% God, and He's 100% man. And as a man, we see a consistent pattern of His, his, his man, manliness. As a man, we can see these things start all throughout His, his life. Um, he proved He was a man. He ate food. He drank water. He got tired. He got angry. All right, and, he, and you, when you read the beginning of one John, one John says, "We spent all this time with Jesus. We, we spent our lives with this man." And without sounding, without sounding too, I don't mean don't mean to sound blasé or too common. Jesus got dirty. His feet got dirty. 
He sweated. He worked hard. He got his heart was broken. All these things happened because he was man. But as God, he also showed his power over illness and his power over death and his power over nature. It's an intriguing, fascinating story. So the key verse, if you like, if you have your Bible with you, or a phone, or a tablet, or anything, I'd like you to open your Bibles to Mark chapter ten. The key verse, and I would love for everybody over the next few weeks to memorize our key verse. All right, I'd love everybody who can do it. So if you have your Bible there, hold on. Oh, this music stand's got a little clippy thing here. How nice is that? Cool. All right. Mark chapter 10. And uh, let me get back there. Mark 10. If I would, I'd like you to, if you have your Bible, I'd like you to highlight it on your electronic Bible. Underline it if you don't have that. I'd like us all to work on this. And I may, we may even have a challenge to have a suite or something for everybody who memorizes Mark 10.45. Child, adult, whoever. Just one verse over the next 13 weeks. Do you think you can learn one verse in 13 weeks? Even this old guy can learn one verse in 13 weeks. And as you say the verse, as you come to church starting next week, if you say the verse, can we have treats ready for next week? If you say the verse <clears throat> from the very beginning, we'll give you a treat. We're going to look at the key verse, and then we're going to go back and look at it. Hudson? Yes. No, go forward. Keep going forward. Go on, next one. All right, there we go. I always go forward unless I say go back. Okay? Good man. Who would like to read Mark 10, verse 45? I need a volunteer. Child or adult, somebody read Mark 10, 45. These kids have put you to shame. Somebody read Mark 10, 45. All right, Hudson. Oh, who's got that? Um, who's that? Daniel. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and give his life for ransom. Okay, that's the key verse for the entire book. So today we're going to give an introduction. I'm not going to keep you long because it's just to get the introduction down and get you excited about next week. So I want you to look now, go back to the beginning of that. The Son of Man did not come to the to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. His purpose when he came was to serve. So let's go back to verse, let's go back to the beginning of this section. <clears throat> There's three parts of this. First of all, these Tico disciples still don't get it. Mary just finished a whole series of Bible, of, of, of kids club lessons. And she said this, must be said at least a dozen times. These guys just don't get it. So here they are, verse 35, and John, uh, James and John. James and John, of course. James and John, the sons of Zebedee. You know what no, Zebedee means? Zebedee means thunder. And they were called the sons of thunder. So these guys were kind of vivacious. All right? A little bit loud. A little bit forceful. Um, not like sweet little meek me. These are guys who expressed their thoughts, said it out loud, and went on their way. So G- James and John... The sons of Zebedee came to him saying, Teacher, we will do for you whatever... Oh no, will you do for us whatever we ask? Now remember... I don't want to get off the screen, but I want to get closer to you. So, see you in a bit. Alright, just listen. 
They had this crazy notion that Jesus was coming back at that moment to overthrow Rome. And they figured when Rome is gone, we know that Jesus is going to be king of the universe. We know he's going to be king. We know he's going to do all the right things. We know he's going to rule. And all of them, but especially James and John, wanted to make sure that they had their place in his government. They wanted to sit at the right and left hand of Jesus. Did you know at one point, they even got their mommy to come talk to Jesus about it? You think I'm kidding? Look it up! They had mama come down and talk to Jesus about taking care of her boys. Only a woman like that could be married to Thunder. Okay? They didn't get it. They were looking for the day when all of Rome would be kicked out, the troops would be run off, Judea would be free, Jerusalem would be the capital of this new world, Jesus would be king, they'd be sitting in the royal palace, and they'd be his prime minister and his first minister sitting side by side. These guys were wrong. Because they wanted Jesus for what he could do for them. And the tragedy of tragedy is there are still people out there today who want Jesus for what he can do for them. That's why the, that's why the prosperity gospel is so popular. I want my Jesus to be a genie in a bottle. And I want to rub the bottle and I want genie Jesus to pop out and give me my wishes. They had it all wrong. And anybody who wants to serve Jesus today to get what they want for them is wrong. We think about all the things that Jesus does, all the things he, all the blessings he gives. And we get saved so that our lives are going to get better. That could be the motivation for a lot of folks. But Jesus said to them, he said, uh, okay, he said to them, what do you want me to do for you? They said to him, grant us that we may be, one of us sit on your right hand and one on your left hand in glory. When you're ruling, we want to see you, you'll be on your throne and I'll be on this side. And the other one will be on the other side. That's all we want. Not much. Just to be the main officials in the kingdom. He said to them. Uh, he said to them. You don't have a clue. Can I paraphrase it? Well obviously I can. I just did. You don't have a clue. Are you able to drink what I'm going to drink. And be baptized what I'm going to be baptized with. You have any idea what I'm going to, what's going to happen to me. And the bad thing is they did know. He had already told them what was going to happen to him. What was going to happen to him? He was going to go to the cross. He told them that over and over again. But all they could think about was this kingdom as they imagined the kingdom to be. Can you go through this with me? Can you go through this with me? But to sit on my right hand and sit on my left hand, that's not mine to give. It's there for those who it's been prepared for. So you see, he said, those seats are already taken. And when the ten heard it, they began to be greatly displeased. They got mad at James and John. Why did they get mad at James and John? Because they wanted those seats as well. 
You look at these guys and you say, how in the world could Jesus use 12 guys like that? But if we're careful, wouldn't we say, how can, use, how can God use somebody like me? I want what I want. I want Jesus to do things my way. I want, can I be honest? I was going to say, can I be frank? But I can't be frank because I'm Roger. I was going to say, be honest with you and say, I want, I want God to give us a nice, clean building of our own that's already up to COVID standards, that has sanitizers in every room, that has 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 all the amenities that we need that ha- and, and it even comes with a weekly covid cleaning service i i i that's all i don't want any fancy chandeliers i just want a nice clean building of our own we don't have to pay what we're paying to sit here and borrow that's what i want but you know what that's what i want that's not what god wants are we going to get it that way? I am just as bad as these lousy, thick-headed disciples. Because I want what I want, and I want it when I want it. And that's what these guys did. And Jesus called them, called them to Himself and says, You know that those who are um, considered rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their great ones exercise authority unto them. But you shall not be so among you, but uh, your you, your your desires become great among you. Shall whoever desires to be greatest among you shall be your servant, and whoever of you desires to be first shall be last. So the Son of Man didn't come to be served, but to serve Himself. Jesus expresses very very clearly here His need to be a servant to minister to others. That's not the way the kingdom of heaven works. Kingdom of heaven is very upside down, isn't it? If you want to be rich, be poor. You want to be famous, be lowly. You want to be great, be humble. You want to be served, serve. That's why he says this the Son of Man came not, did not come to be served, but to serve. And give his life a ransom for many. There's many examples of Jesus' life, life of service. I want to go through a bunch of them, then I want to close with one, one passage from the book of Philippians. Jesus met man's needs. We're going to see that Jesus cast out demons. He cast, he cured the deaf and the blind. He cleansed leprosy. He fed the multitude. He calmed their fears. He met their spiritual needs because he called sinners to repentance. He taught in the synagogue. He taught the truth. He taught the truth in the synagogue on the hillsides behind closed doors. He showed his humility when he washed the disciples' feet. Their dirty, old, dusty, disgusting, thank you. I was going to say poop-covered feet, but I like the word. I like Hudson's word better. Their disgusting feet from walking through the animals and the dust and the dirt. Jesus got down and washed their feet. For goodness' sakes! So sometimes I don't even like making somebody's cup of tea. Cause I'd rather somebody make me a cup of tea. <laughs> Anyway, sorry. Personal note there. But he called him, called us to serve. Jesus served in so many ways. 
want to finish with, and then he, he met their eternal needs. He gave him to give his life a ransom for many. We'll cover all those in more detail in the next few weeks. But I want to close with a book, with a, a passage from Philippians that you might be familiar with. Great, great theology. Philippians chapter 2. I've preached on this. I've mentioned it in my messages on a regular basis. I'm going to give the example here of the kind of servanthood that Jesus is talking about. Philippians chapter 2. Paul was writing to a, a divided church when he wrote this passage. There were two women in the church who were fighting. The church was embroiled with attacking each other. So Paul starts the chapter 2 saying this, Therefore, if there be any consolation in Christ, if there's any comfort of love, if there's any fellowship of the Spirit, if there's any affection and mercy, fulfill my joy by everybody being like-minded, having the same love, um, having the same love, be of, be of one accord and of one mind. Let nothing be done, here he goes, let nothing be done through your selfish ambition, um, or conceit, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than himself. Let each of you look not on your own interest, but on the interest of others. We don't seek our stuff. We seek what is work for others. Now, in that exact, precise context, Jesus says this. But Paul says this. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Now think about the depth of this. This is the verse I've read dozens of times. <coughs> Philippians chapter 2, and we're in verse 5 and 6. Who God, God, Jesus Christ, okay? God. The guy who said, let there be light. The guy who said, separated the waters from the land. The guy who separated day and night. The guy who designed DNA. The guy who designed all of these things, the guy who let six million people walk through the Red Sea on dry ground, that same God, listen to what he did. Jesus, who being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God. Alright? He didn't think. He said, he said, he could have said, I'm God. Why am I going to go down there and live on that filthy, dirty pigsty to serve these people? I'm God. I don't have to do that. How many human leaders, how often have one of us, maybe Roger even, said, I don't have to do that job. Do you know who I am? you have any idea who you're talking to? I don't have to do that job. But Jesus didn't think he had to cling on to his godhood. He was comfortable with his godhood. And what did he do? But he made himself of no reputation. No reputation. He came and was born as a baby in a dirty stable. In the middle, he came out of, came out of nowhere. No reputation. Why? He took on the form of a servant, a bond servant. A bond servant is more than just a servant who's like your house servant. A bond servant is not quite a slave, but a bond servant who has bound themselves to serve you to fulfill a debt. That's what a bond servant literally is. He became a bond servant in my place, and he came in the likeness of man. And being found in the appearance of a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death. Even the death of Christ, death of the Christ, so God has exalted him in name and given him the name above all names.
we too often think that the road to greatness is some type of human achievement. We think our title, our position, our wealth, our whatever is our way to be great. But God says to be great, you must be a servant. And as we spend the next few weeks looking at the example of what Jesus did for us, it's my prayer that you and me will consider what am I doing for others. Excited about this entry in the book of Mark. Cannot wait. Next week we're going to look at two healings that Jesus does. We're going to look at healing a paralyzed man in a miraculous way. We're going to look at Jesus healing a blind man and how both of those things he does were done by faith and how they were done for God's glory. Don't miss next week. All right, we're going to pray. And AJ, if you'll, when I get, if you'll come stop this in a second as I'm going to get done praying. Father, we thank you for our chance to be here this morning. Thank you for those who are watching on Facebook Live. Thank you for our church folks who are joining with us, not here in person, but with us online. Lord, I pray as we look at this book of Mark that we might see the amazing truth of what it means to serve. Even this week, help us to begin to apply that verse of verse 10, chapter 10, verse 45 to our hearts. Jesus didn't come to, to be served, but to serve and to give ourselves for others. And I pray we might take that lesson, apply it to our own, our own hearts as we look forward to the weeks to come. Lord, please guide our church. We need